Hey guys, welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm Axel York. I'm Eric Corbridge. Hey guys, a uh, few purposes to the show, okay? Um, a couple things as far as elevating your skill set, uh, helping you develop uh, skills that you need, uh, practical skills that you'll use in the field and in training and developing your team. Uh, we'll talk a lot about personal development, growth, having the right mindset, really taking you to the next level in sales, in life, and in your career here at V3. Guys, make sure to check back regularly to stay up to date, get some insider tips, learn what it takes to really get to the next level, and stay elevated. Three, two, one, and we're live. What's up, guys? I'm here today with Thomas Rudder. Tom's our uh, Victorville manager, and we are once again doing our spotlight on VimCon series. So if you are just jumping in and you haven't got caught up on some of the past episodes, essentially is what we're doing is we are doing kind of a highlight reel of some of the concepts and ideas that we discussed at VimCon. That was uh, just the end of January. So uh, as of this recording about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, we had all of our leadership uh, managers, assistant managers come out. Uh, we had some of the core leadership managers and some of the folks from the, the executive team share some, you know, habits, some uh, strategies, and just some skills around what they've done to make their office or their unit successful. And Tom, you had a really great training. Uh, your training was on culture and, and, you know, how to raise the bar in your office. And that was the whole theme of Imcon was raising the bar. And you had some really good takeaways. And I just want to kind of do a deep dive into that. And uh, so this doesn't necessarily need to be a monologue. We do a little bit give and take here. But uh, yeah, I'd like to hear kind of what you think as far as um, what it takes to make a successful office. Um, I, I know you had highlighted that that's lacking in a lot of organizations and just really kind of what is the culture of an office. And for those of you listening, we once again have one microphone, so we're gonna be passing back and forth. That means we won't interrupt each other. So yeah, take it away. Uh, the questions were a successful office and what makes a good culture, right? Um, well, I think there needs to be this togetherness, right? You gotta have a bunch of people on board with doing the same thing um, and you know, with one large goal, you know, to make everyone better and to you know, create these better lives, quote unquote, for us. So I think togetherness is <clears throat> is the biggest thing. We need these guys to feel like that they belong with us and that they're that they can be one of us, um, and that we need to welcome them and um, and essentially you know create this this space for for growth, unbridled growth. So failure, success, not knowing how to do things, people that are pros at doing it, and all mixed together to create this one group of people with one common you know, common goal, um, you know, to get, to get to where we want to go higher places than we could get on our own. Yeah. That's great. And, um, so you, you had highlighted, uh, in, in your speech and I, I took some notes, um, as we were going through this. So I'm just going to kind of jump in and cling on to some of these ideas. And if you can elaborate and expand that, that would be awesome. Um, but you'd highlighted a, a Gallup poll, which it turns out I had actually had in my speech as well. And that was, that was totally unplanned, but essentially that, you know, you have about a third of working Americans 
that are like engaged in their work. And I think it's actually a little bit less than a third. Um, and then you've got like nearly, you know, two thirds that are, um, disengaged, right? They're, they're just kind of on autopilot. I refer to this as just, they're, they're mailing it in every day. You know, they're, they're zombies in the workplace essentially. And then you've got a, a percentage that uh, they're actively disengaged. Um, they hate their jobs. They're not excited to show up. Um, you know, they come in because they feel like they have to, essentially. And that's kind of a scary statistic for, you know, anybody in a leadership position. You know, and it's easy to think like, well, I'm the anomaly. But the reality is you're going to have people on your team that are actively disengaged. And and so the the whole idea, you know, the, the takeaway that I had from this and, and why it's relevant to me and why it's relevant to other leaders in the room is because you want to create a culture that provides that, like, like kind of what you mentioned, like it's this space to grow and it's this, this, you know, environment that you can, you know, nurture the people, um, in your organization and help them achieve and help them be engaged. So, more than anything, like how do you create that culture of engagement? And um, I mean, what, yeah, like how do you define culture? How do you define the culture of, of this organization, of this office, just in general, right? And, and then how do you go about um, creating that space where you can have that, that development take place? Well, I think it's a, a follow the leader kind of mentality. So if I want to make a change or I want the environment or the people to act a certain type of way, you know, or to feel a certain type of way, then I have to actively create that environment myself. And so I always feel like whatever I'm doing, I want to do in front of somebody. I do it by by doing and then the, the rest of the people learn by viewing it. Right. And that's this translates into the field as well. It's the same way that I'll train a person in the field or in a house to close or whatever. It's. Yeah, you can instruct them, um, but if you you just go about your business essentially, like I have a very specific goals, you know, that I want to achieve, and the atmosphere is a big part of that goal. I know that if I don't have the right growth type atmosphere, all the things that we've been talking about, um, that we won't be able to bring in new people. We won't be able to have the type of um, engagement that you're talking about, where they're more effective when they are there. They're not just mailing it in. Um, so I, I do it essentially by maybe over, even over exaggerated. On myself I try to make a big show about deliberately what I'm doing so that other people will essentially pick up on it right and it will um, become contagious to them and that's how I want to treat my next level leaders my ASMs and um, senior dealers field leaders things like that um, I want them to just do what I'm doing right so a big part of my um, you know when we did this talk at Vincom was um, you know, just, just getting these guys to to buy in that the atmosphere is super duper important and then to copy, you know, essentially what, I, what I've been doing. Um, when, when I felt like people weren't being engaged enough when they were brand new, when they weren't being welcomed to the room, then that's, I started to do it, right? And so by showing them how to do it, what I meant by engaging them, I mean, I can see the ripple effect days and weeks and months later there's several people that were at vincom that are acting completely different than they were pre-vincom because hopefully they took a lot of this stuff to heart right they started engaging them personally even if they weren't on their own team um you know you need to have this environment going so that when someone 
gets in, you know, inducted into it as a new person, that it just immediately they, they drop into the flow of it, right? Um, and I think that's probably what's really difficult maybe for a lot of organizations is getting it started. And I think you got to fake it till you make it. You got to continue to do the things until one more pick, person picks it up and then it's like dominoes. Another person, another person, and next thing you know, that's just the way that it is. That's great. We, we talk a lot about like duplicating ourselves. And I think, um, I think starting out, that's part of it is, is you have to duplicate the, the values and the belief structure that you have as it relates to, to, to work and to this job. And, and in a lot of cases, it has to go beyond that. Like I think good cultures, um, the, the idea of the organization actually permeates into your personal life. So and I'm sure you feel the same way, but you know the the culture that we've created here and that we've developed at V3 um, totally permeates my my personal life. Like it, the, there's no there's no distinction, there's no fine line, and and a lot of times you see that in organizations where like you know you you put on your quote unquote work hat, and then as soon as you get home, you know you you take it off, and you're almost a different person. Um, that I don't see that as much here, and and I think that's a yeah, testament to creating the right culture. And I think you guys have done a really good job with that. So one one thing, before we dive into that, I want to just kind of go over like what could contribute to a poor culture. And there's uh, there's obviously different levels of that in, in different organizations. And, you know, I mentioned this on, on the last podcast we had. I think we have a really great like overall culture. Like holistically, I think it's really good. I think we have good uh, correlation meetings. We have good managers. We have good people in the organization, but there are gradations on that scale. Like we have some cultures that function better than other cultures. And so what can somebody be looking at and identifying in their culture as like, Hey, this is a, this is a bottleneck or this is a piece that isn't working for me. And I know you had a couple points in, in your presentation. So can you kind of just go over a few of those? Sure. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it can't be a hat you put on. I think traditionally in other jobs and careers that I've been in, yeah, that's what you do. You show up for work, you put your work hat on, you do your work stuff. And then when you're home, you can do the stuff that you want to do. And you don't necessarily blend the two like you do here. Here, it's a lifestyle. It really is. If you don't believe it all the way, like 110%, when you're off of work, you know, at 11 at midnight, when you're just thinking to yourself and all that kind of stuff, then it won't work when you're here. Like you got to really believe it. Otherwise they'll see behind the curtain. So, you know, it's like this, um, this aura, you know, oozes off of you in some way where that's just how you behave and that's how you talk and the decisions you make. And it's, you can see it in all kinds of aspects of your life, you know? Um, so it can't be like an on switch off switch. It has to be all the time on. You have to really believe that stuff. Um, and then it'll just start to happen naturally, right? Because the way the culture is, is it dictates then your, your decision making and all the stuff that you do and the things that you say. So if you really believe it, then, then, you know, it'll, it'll come out. It'll be very, um, noticeable, right? Um, some of the, some of the poor things I think, um, in a culture is, I think the biggest one is, is the belonging. Right. And so pe people don't feel like they can communicate or that people are open um, to, you know, for whatever it might be, questions, problems, things like that. Um, you know, we multiple times a week, we got to just remind people that, you know, they can ask questions in any direction they want. Peer to peer, up and down. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, certainly don't take um, um, take lessons from a drowning man. But 
it, it just means you got to feel open. We want to be a family here where where we can feel that there aren't really any stupid questions, right? It's, it's okay and safe to do things incorrectly and to continue to try to push beyond your um, whatever levels you may maybe been able to achieve before, um, and you know go to maybe a scary spot. And, and that's where that's where the growth is going to happen. So, yeah, so communication is a huge one. If there's not open communication through all parts of the organization, then I think you're going to have a real problem with people um, gelling with you. And then also taking the message that you want, you know, to propagate throughout your, your office, you know, the answers to, to questions, objections, how to work and, and all that kind of stuff. They won't believe you or they won't take it to heart because they don't they don't like what they see around them. They don't like the feeling that they get, maybe. Um, so that's something that I um, that I've really taken issue with. You know, you can you can sit across the room and see what's happening socially, right? People that feel like they're on the in or they're on the out of any type of group, or whether they feel like the um, you know a person that's more closed off or a person that's really outgoing. And typically, I think a lot of people that we receive are not readily outgoing at first necessarily, at least not in the the sales aspect that maybe some of us are when we've been doing this for a while. And so we almost have to overcompensate for that um, and and do some things very specifically to make them feel like, like they belong with us. But yeah, lack of communication is a big one. Um, I think a lot of negative things that might happen either in the office or between peers or in the field, any one of those things, you know, when maybe they're outside the eyes of the typical management, quote unquote, or the higher ups, you know, um, they might see negative interactions or have negative conversations with other people um, that that really put a bad taste in their mouth to to continue, and that really help that really hurts us with retention and and their effectiveness in the field. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a bad interaction, or or they can view something bad, and it will affect production thirty minutes later. You know, this, there isn't a lot of trail time to these things going south. You know, and um, one of the things that I remember saying was that the culture was very very difficult to build. You know, it takes time to build and, and people have to really um, accept it and stuff like that. But it, it takes seconds to destroy. It can be just a few minutes in the field with someone to, to completely turn them around and to never see them again, right? And that's the lifeblood to us. That's how we that's how we get it, you know, we function is we need these new people and we need these up and comers to be successful. They need to go through, you know, path of leadership and they need to get deals and they need to get paid and they need to do it the right way and all that kind of stuff. And that's really difficult if they're worried about all these these other things, like they don't like me or I feel like I'm scared or I feel like it's not safe or, you know, things like that. Um, also, maybe they see things that they don't respect being, you know, like maybe they're getting props for it. Maybe there's people in the office getting props for for sales or for activity or something like that, but they see some underside of it, like I said, in the field when maybe not everybody's watching. And so they see these guys getting accolades or, you know, getting pats on the back or something like that. And they're like, this guy's not even like a good person, you know, or something like that. So that's definitely where the personal life bleeds also into the professional. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you made a really good point there. Um, And it's funny. I was, uh, I was actually, as I was flying in here on the plane, um, I met a girl that worked for Yelp and she worked in sales and she had been there for a couple of years. And I was kind of uh, like, honestly, I just warned her. I was like, hey, I'm going to pick, I want to pick your brain right now. Like, I know you probably don't want to talk about work. I think she's going on vacation or something. I was like, but yeah, I, I, I want to know what's up. How do you like it? Like, 
you know, what's, what, what do you love? What do you hate? And she's like, yeah, I mean, everything's good. Um, she's like, I like doing sales and she didn't say the culture, but that's what she was saying. Like, that's the piece that she didn't like. And it was that idea of, you know, yeah, these people get accolades and they get, you know, they get high fives and they get props and they get promotions and they get all this stuff and, and they're not doing the right things. You know, yeah, they're making sales, but they're not doing it in the right way. And so I think that's super important for your culture, just like you had mentioned, is like make sure that you are highlighting the right things. Make sure you're highlighting people doing the, the yeah, the ethical things, the, the things, you know, where there's integrity. And, uh, you know, what is Warren, Warren Buffett says, um, you know, he looks for three things, right? He looks for um for intelligence he looks for like drive and he looks for integrity and he's like if you don't have the last one you're you're gonna hire a crook essentially you know he's like you have to have the integrity component so i think that's that's pretty darn important well it's super important at the top because you're going to duplicate that person right that's the thing is that if that's why i try to keep a very close guard on on the integrity portion to make sure that when we're promoting these guys and they're going out to, you know, to run the whole ship on their own and close deals and that they're going to do it the right way, that they're going to disclose the right information, not just, you know, sometimes people forget things like we might forget to tell them this or that, something small, but we want to make sure that not only are we taking a, an active responsibility of, I need to divulge all this information to the customer in the right way, um, not leave anything out despite that it might even be bad, right? Um, like you don't want somebody, something really simple, like, oh, I didn't tell him it was a 25-year agreement just because I didn't want to get into that conversation. Maybe is one good example, right? Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that these guys are out there doing it the right way so that we can duplicate them and then we don't have to worry about it, right? We don't want to worry a year from now after we've duplicated three times over mm-hmm. that these guys aren't selling correctly or treating their reps correctly or treating customers with respect. Yeah. It's also the difference of, like, think about this. When, when you go out there, are you going out there to make a paycheck? Of course we all are. Or, but do we even think about are we there to help the customer or we're there for the bigger, the bigger cause, the bigger mission of V3, yeah. right? Which is to help people and to dethrone Edison as a, you know, as a monopoly and, yeah. and all those things, right? We can have a laundry list of those things. But if you don't have those things in your mind when you're out doing your work, mm-hmm. you know, then, then yeah, you might have a lack of integrity along the way because you're only, you know, you're in it for the dot, you're in it for the comma. Yep. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, and I mean, th- you know, think about that idea. Like I, I think everybody for the most part is here for the the long haul, right? I mean, maybe not some of the brand new hires. They don't, they don't see that vision yet maybe, but, but they will. And I mean, imagine that, imagine being years out in, in this and, and maybe it's just in your, your office, your region. And you're like, oh wow, I made like a systemic mistake back here. And I've, I've just built and scaled the wrong culture. Yeah. And I mean, where do you go from there? You you have to redo it. You have yeah, you to start like a full it over. washing. Yeah. yeah, and man, is that painful? Is that challenging? And you've seen that. There's there's examples of that. You know, out in the world where just the the culture becomes destroyed, and and they have to like they have to start it over. They have to restart. And you know, a lot of companies do that where they they literally just change the name and they they have to rebrand because they're dirty. They've done it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and hopefully they figure out the second time around. But yeah, and, um, you can, and you can switch some of those people back. You can get them onto the right oh, side. Oh yeah, 
but I think probably the the number one school method there is probably to cut deep and cut it away. Sure. You know, make sure that you don't leave any remnants of right. of that around and and start anew. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why you know the one of my favorite expressions that I hear from Alec is uh, an ounce of prevention equals a pound of cure. You know, you do it right the first, first time. time. Um, you you be proactive and not reactive. Yeah, it, there's a worry about it. yeah. There's a great one. Um, be cool. Actually, put it out there, and we wrote it on the board for a little while. But it was if you don't have the time to do it right the first time, do you really have the time to do mm-hmm. it over? Yeah, yeah. That's great. Love it. Um, let's uh, let's dive in. I want to know your thoughts on like what uh, what are some of the markers of a of a healthy culture, right? And uh, I, I think this is cool. I think you look at it the same way, like if you go to the doctor and you get a bunch of like tests done, right? And it's like, oh yeah, your your vitamin D level is here, and your you know blah 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 is here, and your you know blood cell count is here. You have these markers, these indicators that like, yep, you're, you're healthy. And I think you should look at the office in the same way. So what are some of those markers that that you guys have here? And I know you already touched on a couple of these, but yeah, I think well the first one is happy people sell more. So when people are happy and they're excited, you know, you see smiles and they're energized and things like that, a good culture is gonna is gonna help to propagate that and keep that keep that going. If people are not happy and you don't see them engaging with each other and they don't you don't see a lot of smiles, then there's you know, then obviously there's something there's something wrong. And that's gonna affect their production and their results and the whether they do things with integrity that day or right. you know, what, what do they take a left or a right? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think people being really happy is is definitely a clear indicator right off the bat when you walk in the room, the feeling, right? Are these people happy? Are they successful? Or is this like a, did I just walk into like some kind of crazy doom type room, you know, where yeah. everyone's just, um, everyone's in the shadow. Um, yeah, and so so when you're when you're really happy, then then you're you're putting on a lot of production, um, and you and you're happy to work, right? Door the things don't affect you as much. Um, you have uh, goal oriented people. Right, so they're constantly talking about their goals. They're constantly talking about growth. Yeah. Um, they're happy to discuss maybe something that they did wrong. Right, they said something I learned. Some, you know, one of the things we do on a daily basis, we go through the things, something we learned, something we do different, um, something that, um, you know, something that was positive. Yeah. We always want to try to repeat these things to ourselves. Um, yeah, so the, I think those are those are some of the big ones. Um, you know, the opposite of what we were talking about before. So communication is is wide open. Um, they, they feel inspired. Um, they, they really, really are attached to the, the, the company's goal as a whole, like take, yeah. take our office goal or take the 300 goal yeah. and they, and they really take it personal, you know, how much they're contributing or not contributing or what they can do to change so that they can be a part of that goal would definitely be, um, you know, a strong indicator. Um, they're happy for other people's successes is a really big one. You know, I think when people are not gelling with the culture and they're not liking what they're doing, they're not really that happy about people doing good, you know, when they're not doing good. Misery loves company. And so they love for people, they want them to feel just like them or even, you know, come down here with me right. where we can feel terrible together. Um, and, you know, and so that that's something that you see in all parts of your life, though, right? People love to maybe throw out the thing that's negative at first. It's just a habit. They don't even know they're doing it. Um, it's hard. It's definitely a difficult, difficult one to, to break, but yeah, when the culture is going great, then the team cheers for victories Yeah. period. Right. Like, I don't think you've ever seen, um, the, the Super Bowl. you know, 
the Super Bowl winning team or the guy that's going to go out and win, you know, the, the, the NBA finals, the guy on the sideline is dang near just as happy as the as the person that just put in the winning shot. You right. know what I mean? And that's because they're all in it together. They all care about each other's successes, right? The more success there is, the more opportunity and success there is for everyone else. Yeah. Not the limitation of success. Yeah. Do you remember the? Uh, I think it was Josh made made the example the the crabs in the bucket. That's a great one. In fact, I've yeah. repeated it probably three times since Vincom. Yeah. Yeah, and I've and I yeah. Mm-hmm. So what one. what is that for everybody listening? Uh, what it is is uh, if you've ever seen crabs in a bucket, and you'll notice them trying to climb out. Mm-hmm. And whenever you get one crab that just seems like they're they're getting close to the top or they've they've you know kind of they're almost solved the problem, um, you'll get some other crabs that will care more about them getting out than the person that was almost out. Mm-hmm. So they'll start grabbing on that crab and start mm-hmm. I'll climb on you and next and nobody can ever get out because right. one's always constantly pulling on the other pulled back down into the yep. yeah into the pit yeah the heap yeah that's great and it's such a clear visual right of just seeing the. The freaking crab almost climbing over the edge, and then the other ones pulling them out, and and not even it being malicious, just like they don't even know it's their yeah. nature, right? Yeah, yeah, and and it's the same thing. You, you get that with people; it's just almost nature, and and so you have to build such a strong culture to fight against some of these like just natural urges that that people have. Um, awesome, and then so a couple things other that you had touched on, like. You touched on keeping expectations high, which I think is really important. Yeah, I mean, um, pe- people that are not doing well or don't feel like they're they're in a gross type of place, then they don't want really, really high expectations. They don't they don't yeah. want to fail, um, or they f- they feel like they are that they're going to fail. Like they don't even think they're going to win right mm-hmm. from Jump Street, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but people that are in a culture where the energy is high, the people are seeing successes, mm-hmm. people are helping other people, mm-hmm. um, the team type atmosphere. Then a challenge is embraced. They yeah. like they like challenges. They want to push the envelope. You know, they want to yep. s- sell more, or do more, or get more leads than they've ever mm-hmm. gotten in a day or a week or you know whatever the whatever it might be. They want to constantly push the envelope. Yeah. Um, yeah. The opposite is don't call on me. Don't make mm-hmm. me raise my hand. Don't make me come up to the front. I don't want to be noticed. Yep. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, in the the I think we have a quote in the standard of excellence. Like the the best people they go to where the expectations are the highest, sure. right? Like attraction. Yeah. Look at, I mean, that's the, that's the hallmark, right? Of companies like Apple and SpaceX and Google, like, you know, uh, Oracle at, at one point, like they can get the top talent because people want to be a part of that. They want to go to the place where, you know, I, I remember hearing stories back when I worked in like the software space, of people that were selling, you know, they're selling accounts making millions of dollars in commission, which means we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in, you know, contract value. And they're selling these accounts. And I'm like, holy crap, like, I, I couldn't believe it. It, you know, just, it was so much um, money. And it's like, those, the, the higher caliber people go to where those expectations are high. And it's no different here. Like, you know, as, as we continue to raise the bar and as we have people, you know, in management positions and the standard is you're making half a million dollars a year and the people excelling are making a million dollars a year, it's going to attract those types of, of people, you know. And so you obviously want to build a, a culture that helps foster that. You want to help people, you know, evolve 
into that caliber of a, of a person. Um, and that's how teams can grow exponentially, right? Because it's yeah. the law of attraction that you're talking about. They're doing the right things, which is getting them really good production results, mm -hmm. which then attracts more people that are like-minded. Yeah. And so they start to grow two, three times as fast. Yep. Um, next thing you know, they're, yeah, they're hitting yeah. the ceiling. Bingo. That's great. Um, and then, so you, uh, yeah, you talked about this idea as well. I, I want to, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I really liked the idea. Um, and sorry, I've got a funky mic here, but I was able to find another mic. You talked about the acorn and the oak tree. Yeah. And I don't know why, but it, I freaking love parables. Like, and this is a really great parable. So maybe you can tell people, uh, listening about the acorn and the oak tree and how it kind of ties back into, uh, this idea of, of, yeah, doing things the right way and, and making an investment. Well, I think the amazing part, and I didn't create that, obviously. That's, you know, I got that from some motivational videos that I was loading up, you know, in the morning time probably. And, and I heard this thing that caught me and I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I gotta rewind that. Yeah. And then I even searched for it afterwards. You know, I went and looked up this acorn oak tree thing. Um, and what's unique about it is that the acorn is so small. The acorn is, I mean, some of these acorns, when I looked them up, they can be the size of a quarter even. They're so teeny. Yeah. And the idea is that everything that the oak tree could ever possibly be is already inside the acorn. It doesn't get put there later or, you know, it's all about how we nurture it as it, as it comes up. And, it, and, and what used to be a quarter can be this massive. I mean, the, the information that I got about the oak tree was that, one, it's like massively tall. Right. Yeah. It's like 100 feet, something, you know, not the tallest tree in existence, but very large. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then and then it can grow. It can grow its um, its branches twice as high as yeah. the tree, which means that the tree's 400 feet right. wide. Right. It's just this massive round yeah. thing. And um, and it all came from this this seed that you could put in your pocket originally. Right. You know, and these things, they grow, they go on and they live hundreds of years, you know, like way beyond a human. Yeah. Um, and so it's just amazing that that something so huge and so magnificent and so complicated can be made from something so small and, and theoretically very simple. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the same thing, same thing with the person is as they're coming in. And ideally, if you've ever done any kind of recruiting or training or, you know, you've been in the business long enough, you know that you kind of would like you'd almost like to just have a blank page as opposed to somebody coming in with their cup full and thinking they know this or that about a previous business. And, and I think that's one of the things where, why I didn't clash with this business too badly was because I was willing to throw out the things that I thought I knew and continue with the things that worked um, in all the years of sales that I had before. You have to be really open to erasing a lot of pages in your book if you wanna start doing things differently. And V3 is completely different than any sales that I'd ever done before and highly successful before, you know, as far as dollar amounts and commissions earned and things like that. But the lifestyle and the growth and all the things, and we've had conversations about this before on, on podcast, um, is night and day different as far as V3 goes. So you gotta be willing to throw that, that stuff away. So again, the idea of this blank page and the acorn is that these reps come in and they're, they're blank. Like there's, it's all total. Some of it's up to them. Sure. But I would say, I would argue that most of it is really up to us. Yep. If, if, if we create the right culture and we've been creating the right culture and atmosphere and, and duplicating the right reps, then when they come in at that time, they're ready. Again, they drop right into flow. Um, they have to be willing to work hard. They have to be willing to show up and, and things like that. But again, that, 
I would argue that a lot of that is is an effect of us. You know, yeah. if, if our car culture isn't good enough and the people, even day one, right. you know, Sasha recruiting, if she, yeah. if they don't like what they see in there, then they're not gonna they're not gonna make it through. And then we get the chance to then nurture it, to water it, and and give it the you know the vitamins, the information, the um, the camaraderie, all these things yeah. um, that you would consider their sunlight and water and you know and yeah. food. Um, and we do those things right, right? We care about them. Right. Um, then then we'll be, in the most part we'll be in good shape. Yeah, love it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, just and, and that the camaraderie that you see here. I mean, that's that, that's pretty unique. You guys have done a good job building that. And I would, uh, yeah, I would argue that as we scale, having the right culture is probably one of the most important things. And the thing is, it, it gets diluted as you go and. I'm sure this is an idea that we've talked about before, but any anybody in a leadership position right now listening to this needs to keep that in mind as they're growing and as they're building that, yeah, you start to lose that and it's a, it's a slippery slope. It's, it's harder to, it's harder to pull back from that if you start to lose it, you know, so you want to, yeah, you want to try to maintain that the best that you can. Um, so I, I want to jump in here in a minute to just what, yeah, what people can do. Uh, let's say that they're not plugged into the best culture or I don't know, maybe they're just a rep. They can't create a culture within an office, but they can maybe create um, a little bit of a, a micro culture for themselves. Uh, but before we jump into that, what I mean, what are some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves as as leaders and as people that are developing uh these teams and these organizations sure um well one again my my whole subject matter on the culture was that one i really focused on was the belonging um if they don't feel like they belong then none of the things are going to be good after that right so they have to feel very welcomed right and then the next question would be what are we actively doing so you might say well i didn't say anything bad to them or i didn't do this or do that well but did you do anything good did you did you actively try to go out and and absorb them into you know into our family, yeah. um, and you know th- those are two very very different questions. Yeah, I didn't do anything negative to them, but did I actively try to do something positive to help the cycle? Yeah. Right. So that's really important. Um, and you're right, a rep doesn't have a lot of control um, over the culture that they're surrounded by. Not not at the level that they're at. But I I always try to live by this. You know, I take the good and I leave the bad. So they can always be actively trying to absorb the things they see are good and then duplicate them in their own lives or try to live by those things and throw away the bad stuff. I think that's really good because there's hardly anyone, and I'm sure plenty of people would argue with me, but that's perfect. You know what I mean? Right. Like that does all the right things all the time and never says the, you know, a curse or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to say. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so we're not all perfect, but we got to be constantly in a state of improvement. We got to constantly be looking to do things better and, and more efficiently. As we have more data, as we do every day, we have more data. Did this work? Did that work? One more person dropped off, or one more person stuck around, or one more person got promoted. We tend to know what works and what doesn't work more, you know, more often than not. The, do we continue? Do we continue to go down the road where things aren't turning out good? <laughs> you know, and just continue to try to create a different result with the same type of um, activity? You know. Yeah, it doesn't work out, right? It doesn't work. So we, we have to be really open to, to altering. Yeah. 
you know, day by day. And, and again, I think, I think the key word there is actively doing things, actively looking for deficits and then actively looking to duplicate things that are working. Um, we have, you know, do the people that follow us, meaning maybe the next level leadership, are they bought into what, to what I'm doing? Am I, am I good? Right. I have to ask myself, am I good? Do I show them the right things um, for them to want to believe what I'm saying and what I'm doing and to watch me and then duplicate what they see me doing? Right. So it stems from the top. You got it. It's definitely the ultimate lead from the front. You know, Um, if I want to make a change, I come in the next day and I actively do something on purpose. And then maybe I'll explain to some some next level leadership why I did it that way. And then that's how it starts. It goes from one to two to four to six until it's overwhelming into well to where the culture is so overwhelming that when something happens or enters the culture that isn't that doesn't gel, some oil gets with the water or whatever, like it's completely evident, yeah. you know, and it's it's I don't know if shunned is the right word, but it's definitely looked, you know, it's definitely it's frowned upon. Yeah. yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And, it, and also in the same effect, it reinforces Right. So there's actually maybe even a purpose for that, that oil to come in and not mix with us because it reinforces what we're doing and what the direction that we're going yeah. and could actually be a great bumper, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. Um, I wanted, yeah, let's jump into some books. I, I'm not sure how we're doing on time here. Um, so I want to kind of start wrapping us up. But uh, I, I know there was a couple books that you had recommended. Um, for folks that like, yeah, and, and let's say they don't even work here, right? Let's say that, that somebody listening to the podcast that isn't a part of E3 yet. Um, we are hiring, v3careers.com. <laughs> yeah, um, but what, what can they do uh, to create that culture for themselves? Uh, what books can they read? Well, sure, and I'll give you a couple books. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing, and like you said, even people that don't work for, this is not a V3, V3 thing that we're spitting out here. Like it is good that V3 uses it, and that's one of the major backbones that we have, and what makes us, I think, uh, you know, good, yeah. makes us successful and stuff, and makes all these offices work. But the fact is, is this, this is good for life. That's what we're talking about here. Is all this stuff that we're talking about is good for life, whether you're an army, an army of one, or whether you got 250 reps, yeah. you know, in an organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did read a couple books. The first one, and and the one I got the most out of, um, was the Culture Code. That one's by Daniel Coyle. And that one was really good, and and if, for those of you that don't have a lot of time, the, you know you, you can you can go and find the the shortcut version and get some of the highlights out of it, and and that can get you going. But I imagine, and what's happened with me a lot of times too, when I try to get some information that way, is I'll I'll just kind of get turned on to the content. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I'll I'll listen to the five minute or the ten minute, you know. Um, yeah. What did they used to call them back in the college days? Like what, the cliff notes. Yeah, like the cl- yeah. like the cliff notes or whatever. And then you end up getting intrigued because they put all the hot buttons out there in front right, of you. Yeah. And next thing you know, well, you're you're reading the whole. This is what thing. I love to do. Same idea is I'll find the so so culture code. I'll go and I'll say, you know, Google. Hey, what podcast has Daniel Coyle been on? Mm. And of course, half of them he's talking about his book. Sure. You know, I think he's wrote two books, The Culture Code and The Talent It's almost even better because they're having it conversationally. Yeah. And then then you get like, you know, quick 30, 40 minutes, hour of content. And you're like, yeah, this is great stuff. And then you can go and read the book. I should probably go see what they didn't talk about. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Um, And then there's another one, Ben Horowitz. um, He wrote one called um, What You You Do Is Who You Are. Yeah, right. And that's that's the thing about the culture is that 
um, you know, the one dictates the other. Yep. Right. Bingo. Yeah. No. And that's, I mean, that ties in like, th- there's not a lot in that book as far as like what we talked about where that, that there's no barrier, right? There's, it's just, it's completely fluid uh, how you are at work and how you are at, at home. Yeah. And that's what I thought the book was going to center around. Um, and it doesn't touch on that a whole heck of a lot, but what you had mentioned, um, the idea of like when people come in the organization and they don't, uh, they, yeah, they don't, they don't do things the right way. They don't do things that jive with the culture and it's like oil and water. Um, and, and I think part of why I love this book by Ben Horowitz is because it's not all parables, but the whole book, it's broken down into like four concepts and each one is told through, through a story, you know? And, and so one of them is about, um, uh, Shaka Senghor who ran this like notorious prison gang, uh, for years and years and years. And, and he's like reformed now and he's, you know, he's a great human being, uh, today but not not always and just the culture he created within that prison gang i thought that was super interesting and really interesting he made them all read books like they had like homework and i was like hmm we also make all of our people read books (laughs) interesting um you know so that was one and then he had another one that was uh geared around genghis khan uh and just like historically i'm a a huge genghis khan fan i'm going record um, just to be such like a prolific leader and, and imagine the culture you have to create to, to conquer more than anyone in human history. Like you got to have a really strong culture. Totally. Yeah. And, and so it's really interesting to like see what he did to create that culture. Um, and they had a couple other, you know, a couple other examples. And one was, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name, something, uh, Tolly Ron, but he was a Haitian, like French Haitian guy who led the Haitian revolution. And he would come out with these rules that were like just the, his troops. Um, and it was all, it was like a, a slave army. So you can imagine like, how do you create discipline in a, in a slave army? Yeah. And, uh, well, and a lot of them were like, they were slaves and they're like fighting for their freedom kind of thing. But you know, just how do you create culture in, in, or how do you create discipline in that culture? Very challenging. And so he would come up with rules that were like shocking and I'm not advocating this, but it, it reminded me of what you said, where you create that idea and you create that culture to where people come in and they're like, they're like, Whoa, what, wait, what? It's like a wake up call almost, you know, and I won't go over the exact stuff cause some of it's not totally uh, PG, uh, some of the rules that he had in place. But you know, one of them was like, you can't, you can't, um, uh, you can't have like what uh, any concubines or any like basically you can't no cheat on your activity. wife. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and in that time it was totally normal to like rape and pillage. To step out. Yeah. yeah, and and like part of it like that's how the troops were paid is like hey you got free reign to you steal can pillage and, you can pillage yeah yeah exactly and so he's like you can't do this stuff and they're like what are you talking about and he's like look if you can't keep you know the vows that you made to your wife how can I trust you to keep the vows that you make to me you know, to be a part of this army. And so it was such a, it was just so like, whoa, this is the norm. And you're, you're putting this rule in place that goes against it. But is what it did is it reinforced the culture, Mm -hmm. like to a massive, massive degree. And And that probably attracted a ton of people. Right. That weren't down with what was going on before that. Bingo. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was super, 
Super yeah. interesting. Uh, I think, I think the, well, the great thing about what you said, the first example, the guy that was in jail. Yeah. And that's something that I like to tell people all the time is you can start doing things differently anytime you want. Just because you've been doing certain things for however long or had certain habits or always been late or always did it this kind of way. I've always done it that way, yeah. quote unquote, right? Doesn't mean that you can't reset yourself at any time whenever you make the mental decision to do so. And when you start to take a grasp on that, boy, your mind just becomes so powerful um, because you can, you literally can, and I like to say it all the time, I can do whatever I want to do. If I want to do it, I can do whatever I want. Like, you know, to quit vaping or the whatever. Cold turkey, no problem. Because, you, yeah, thank, good job to you. Um, no, because you make the mental decision that that's it, I've had it. It doesn't make any sense anymore. And I'll just go ahead and new, in a new direction now. There's no nothing stopping you from deciding to do things differently and to make yourself better. Sometimes we get scared yeah. because what we're doing is we're stepping out over the edge, yeah. and we're like, I've never been here before. I've always done it this kind of way, and I'm I'm fine. Been fine all this time. Yeah. And maybe I don't have the tippity top of the greatness, but I'm okay, right? We settled for that average. Yeah. Um, that when we become when we decide that we want to awaken. The, you know, the mind like that and to be in really active control of, of, you know, what we're doing, what we're saying and the choices that we make and what they mean down the, down the line, it becomes so powerful, yeah. so powerful. And you can make all like what you were saying, you can change an entire yeah. group of people. Bingo. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then, yeah, just on the, the culture code idea, like th- there was a lot in there uh, just on that idea of communication and being like open um almost being like, like vulnerable, right? I, I know that was one of the ideas of like, you know, trust doesn't precede vulnerability. Like Correct. you, you have to, you have to do that. And that's a, that's a tough idea for a lot of people. I know for me, like that, man, that is a, that is a tough one. I do, sure. uh, I actually do some, some counseling. I started doing that a few, I guess, months ago now. And yeah, I, the vulnerability is, it's hard. It's a hard piece for me, but that doesn't mean you got to like break down in front of your team it just means like you're okay with with setting the ego aside and you're okay with like hey i messed up or hey i was wrong or you know yeah. hey like hey I, I, we're still figuring this out like we're, we're we're not perfect right and and that's that's an i, I you've heard that before i can hear, see you grinning um and it, but it's true like that there's a there's an element of vulnerability in that where it's like yeah we don't totally have all the answers right now we're still working it out yeah be be patient with and it. that seems human right yeah and, the, and what's going to get in you said um ego right ego and pride is probably the things that are going to get in the way of you doing those exercising that yeah. that skill um to show some vulnerability is to be human to error is human right and so then they feel again like like you're not this infallible right. god or whatever you know whatever you want to say you yeah. know this guy that's above yeah. you know on the pedestal or whatever yeah, um, which you get that. Like I've I've heard other people say, um, as it relates to like, so yeah, like you and and Javier and McNeil and Keller and all these managers. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, you know, almost like they're like superheroes. Like they're just, and it's like I you know I don't know what it is. And we're not, we're not, not at all. Yeah, yeah, not not at all. And and who knows where that comes from, but. They they walk in with already this sense of that, and then when you can show, like vulnerability, so real, yeah, that like actually enforces it more. Which I know isn't what anybody's trying to do here, but it, it's counterintuitive because you would think like, oh, I gotta keep that, I gotta puff my chest right, out, right. and like, 
and that actually that actually destroys it where yeah if if you're able to show some yeah just some humility yeah yeah it's funny um i don't have all the details on this so i'll probably mess it up but i after um vincom um i i don't know if i got it from youtube or you know some other video or something like that but it was a study and it was talking about a random person on the street essentially them coming up to you and saying hey can i borrow your phone you know, and if you did it to 100 people, you know, and this isn't the right data, but it, it, very few would oblige, right? right? I'm not just going to hand my, you know, what's this, what's your Apple cost you? you yeah, know, I don't like know, I think two grand or something. Yeah, it's like it. yeah. some crazy amount of money. Wow. This personal it's computer good, in our pocket. piece of uh, equipment. Yeah, but it's a grip of money, right? Yeah. So you got a thousand bucks or 2,000 yeah. bucks or something like that is what your device is worth. So you're not just handing it off to Joe Schmo mm-hmm. on the corner. And, and so, you know, you could, very few obliged. And then, what they did is they, and it might even come from one of the books now that I recall. Sounds um, really familiar. Yeah, and it talks about how, well, then they changed the scenario where the person walked up and said, oh, I'm so sorry about the rain. Would you mind if I borrowed your phone? Mine's dead. And the success rate shot through the roof. Like it was, I don't even remember, like triple or quadruple the amount of people right. would, would let them borrow the phone. Yeah. Because they showed this this vulnerability and this caring at the outs, you know, on the onset of the interaction. Yeah. And then it changed immediately. Right. Just the, I'm so sorry about the rain. Yeah. My phone's dead. Would you mind if I borrowed yours? Right. How does that, yeah. like you didn't make it rain. Right. It's, you're not responding. You know, but something about how you started the engagement mm-hmm. altered the entire path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. Love that. Yeah. I mean, just if, yeah, take one thing away from this entire, like, podcast like if if you can get better at that it doesn't matter if you're a manager if you're a leader um and i think we all need to work on this i know i need to work on it um you know and it historically there's a point where it was almost impossible for me to say i'm sorry Uh uh-huh sure good leaders can say i'm sorry sure yeah totally and if you're if you're not good at that like you you should work on it you know and i've seen a lot of people in this organization I won't, I won't name names or put anybody on blast, but I've seen them horrible at that when they came in and when they started and, and get much better. And there's a correlation between the, the trust that they've built with their teams, the way they've been able to scale, um, even just the quality of, of how they sell and how they interact with people goes up. And I mean, we could, we could talk all day, but. Yeah. I think when you start to understand the, how powerful that is, you start to actually look for opportunities to take ownership in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to kind of wrap up here. I, I want to see if you have anything that you want to kind of close out with. Any uh, any key takeaways you want anybody to to hear, or if it's just hey, we just spent the last forty minutes going over it. But well, we did. If you need we to, did. But. Um, no, I think lead, you know, off the top, mm-hmm. lead from the front. Yeah. Right. So whatever you want your culture to be, you have to continually ooze that yeah. and yeah. yeah, and propagate that. Take somebody under your wing. So constantly be showing somebody, right? So you can start to do it faster and you can have a, a greater effect yeah. on, on the people that you have in the teams and stuff like that. You know, one team will start to mimic another team yeah. if they're seeing success and things like that. So, you know, try to get some people on board with you and show them the right way to do it. Um, yeah, be humble, right? Don't be afraid to say I'm sorry or say that you don't know everything. You can't, you can't know everything, and in the end, you just gain people probably that way. Right. 
um, by letting them know that, you know, you don't got the whole thing figured out. I mean, we're all just like them. We totally are them two years ago or four years ago or one year ago or eight years ago. And, you know, if if I can do it, you know, some some of these guys can do it. Um, And in fact, with me, hopefully they can do it in less time. That would be nice, you know. That's we're like parents, right? We we don't want them to step in the same potholes that we right. that we stepped in, um, but we do need them to step in a couple, right? We can't they need yeah, to, they can't go struggle. unscathed, yeah. um, but we don't want them to you know to bleed out yeah. you know or anything like that. Um, yeah, make sure that um, that they know you care. Mm-hmm. That's one of the huge ones about being a leader, and and um, you want this culture of people helping other people and caring about their success and liking that other people being successful and all that kinds of good stuff, then you have to make sure that it's really clear that you're on board with their goal and you're there to help them and that they're a significant role in what you're doing, you know? And, and, um, you know, so I think that that's, that's definitely really important. Um, never be too busy to not necessarily be available. Always be contactable. And that doesn't mean that I can pick up the phone necessarily every time somebody calls, but it also means that I don't forget about them. But I don't, yeah, you got to make sure if it's, you know, even if it's so small, it, a lot of times, it's, I know sometimes I'll reverse this on myself and I'll think, uh, you know, because a lot of higher ups are very busy. You know, Josh is very busy and I, I honestly, I don't ever contact him on my own. You know, yeah. he, he'll call me and I make sure I answer when he calls. Uh, but, you know, Alec and Eric and things like the guys that are a little bit more accessible and things like that. Um, even the smallest of notes really makes a big difference. And when you, when you start to value that, then you understand that, you know, the higher up you get in leadership, you start to be in charge of that aspect of it, right? And so shooting some calls out, uh, texts, an email, you know, guy passes you in the hall and I, you know, a lot of times I'll see him with their first, you know, we had, um, today we recognized Dominic yeah. for having his first solo deal. You know, I see this guy in the hall before correlation, I wanna make sure I make note of it. You know, I sl- yeah. give him a smack on the shoulder and say, hey man, great job on that sale, you know. Little things that say, I care, I'm watching, I'm there with you, I want to help you, is there anything you need? All these sort of things make, man, it just really, without it, I think it's hollow, you know? So you got to really take ownership in that. And that's what I'm really busy, you know, trying to think about a lot is, is where can I make an impact? Who can I, who can I drop that note to or make that call? Or what can I change tomorrow? Or who can I recognize? Even if it's just one-on-one, it doesn't have to be public, um, where I can make some sort of momentum type difference where I can put some gas in their tank that will last yeah. that they will hopefully then, you know, yeah. shove well, off. I, I remember I, I heard from, um, it was one of the newer reps actually in the organization and they had said at the, um, at the kickoff party, you know, they're like, man, I, I was really impressed. The, uh, you know, the folks that hadn't, that don't work down here that are, you know, like headquarters, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. yeah, some, some of the higher ups, how they knew, um, not everybody, but they knew a lot of people like that. They took the time to even like remember and to recognize them. And, and there was a lot of that, like, you know, Hey, yeah, good job on that promotion. Good job on this, that, the other thing. And yeah, it goes a long way. Their tank's probably yeah. overflowing. Oh yeah. You know, I, I remember what it was like when I was brand new in sales and thinking, does this distributor or regional guy, does he even know yeah. who I am or right. whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and they come over and they say, oh, you're this guy. It's kind of like what I was saying at the at Vincom. When, mm-hmm. you, when you meet someone for the first time, I don't know that Paul's there today. I don't know that he's necessarily a part of orientation or something. But yeah. when I introduce myself and I say, Paul, I say, oh, yeah, we were, I was expecting. I knew you were coming on today. Yep. You know, you just some sort of unique type of yeah. conversational piece that makes them think, holy smokes, how could this guy? 
right. you know who I am. It's awesome. You know, not that I'm great or anything, but to them, that's kind of yeah, what yeah. it seems like is like, how would this guy even know who I am? Yep. You know, but that what starts out ends right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So bingo. Sweet. Well, that's awesome. Um, good stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. I yeah, know, for sure. I know these aren't uh, these aren't easy to coordinate by any means. So um, hopefully everybody listening is, uh, is getting some good value. I'm going to try to take some of these these notes, some of these bullet points um, with Tom's permission since it's all trademarked and IP'd um, and load that into the show notes so that if anybody wants to grab some of these uh, for quick reference, uh, they can do so. But hey, until yeah. next time. For sure. Pleasure. Keep blowing it up. Thanks.